Welcome to Enterprising Mindsets, a podcast series exploring what an enterprising mindset is and how it can help us to live, learn and ultimately lead in the future. Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, a national enterprise and financial education charity. You can get the latest episodes straight to your device via subscribing through your usual podcast service. I'm so excited about my guest today. Jessica Carson is a senior vice president at Sony Music UK in Ireland, where she leads on key issues around reputation, communications and social impact. She also sits on the board of the music industry body, the BPI, which deals with public affairs issues and runs the Brit School for the Performing Arts. Prior to Sony, she spent 10 years at the Times and the Sunday Times as director of communications and ran the Times CEO Summit. She trains as a journalist at Columbia University in New York and has worked for Time magazine, the BBC and the Financial Times. Jessica, that's a hell of a resume. (laughs) How are you doing? Very well, thank you. In retrospect, I've packed quite a bit in. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's go back to the start. Tell me about the start of your journey. What was it like growing up for you? I grew up in Suffolk in a family without much money and my parents split up when I was seven. So things weren't always easy. And back then I was on free school meals. I shared a room with both of my sisters. And I guess sort of one of the formative things for me was just thinking quite early on that if I wanted a different kind of life for myself, the only way I had to kind of go and get it was through applying myself at school. And I I do remember feeling that at a really young age. And I used to dream about being a journalist in the city. And I just started thinking about how I could make it possible. But I I was lucky that I loved school. And um, I guess I was always pretty entrepreneurial. I started a school magazine. I had all sorts of kind of playground schemes to make money. Um, I was always corralling my uh, gang of friends to join in with me. Tell us about one. Oh, well, I used to, my summer holidays, I used to go to the Suffolk coast and um, uh, which is a very pebbly beach. And I used to illustrate pebbles because I loved art. And then I worked out that I could personalise these for my friends and flog them for 20p. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> so that was one. Then, yeah, then I guess when I was about 10, I started a school magazine. Um, I loved hedgehogs, so it was about that. Um, and I, I just had all sorts of things like that. Um, I, I guess the other thing about growing up was that my stepdad, um, who joined our family later, he, he was probably the one who saw that I was academic and he really encouraged me to aim high. And I think that that was really important for me, just that sort of sense of possibility. But, you know, as, as you know, I'm sure like, ambition doesn't go very far without a work ethic. And undoubtedly, it was my, my grandfather and my mother who just really instilled in me a sense of duty. And if you don't work hard, you're not going to get much out. So that was um, really quite formative for me, I think. And that's interesting, isn't it? You talked about enterprising really from the get-go. Our podcast series is really about an enterprising mindset and how it can help us to live, lead and uh, and learn in the future. So what, what does an enterprising mindset mean to you personally? I think for me, it's really about initiative. It's, it's being able to think around obstacles that are in your way and coming up with solutions, whatever they might be, and plan A, B and C if you need to. And I think the other really important part of it is 
being able to push yourself forward and not wait for other people to do it for you. And I, I think sometimes that can be quite overwhelming, but at all different stages of your life that, that can, that can weigh in, you know, just the ability to, to self-motivate. I think that's a really crucial part of it. And you talk about work ethic and we're just going to rejoin the story. Um, your stepfather is extremely supportive, um, saw the talent in you. You go on to an incredibly successful career. Were there any critical crossroads that you basically could have gone one way or the other? Yeah, there were so many. And the funny thing is, at the time, I don't think you, you do necessarily think of everything as being a success. You're just doing what you do. You know, in retrospect, there are all sorts of things I've done. And I would not say my career path was really at all linear. And actually, a linear career path would have been a hell of a lot more straightforward, possibly not as much fun. Yeah, there are there are loads of decisions, I, I guess, you know, which university I went to, because ultimately, that led me to meet my husband, who's also been a really big part of my life you know, which job offers I've taken, why I took them. Uh, I, I moved to New York when I was in my 20s. And I guess when I look back, you don't always think of them as necessarily, it's not always going to be a great success. It's just, you know, choices that you've got in front of you, opportunities that you've either created or been given, the, the ability to see something for what it is and decide to take a risk or not. And probably when I look back, I've made more decisions with my heart than my head, but not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think that mindset, your own personal brand of that enterprising mindset has governed those heart decisions? Um, Yes, because, you know, I, I grew up without much of a safety net. You know, I never had any money or anything to help finance any of the things that I did. So... I think I was always just probably filled with the sense that life is what you make it and you've got to do what you can with what you have, where you are. And I think, you know, it sounds a bit of a cliche now, but, you know, life's not a dress rehearsal. So I think you just have to sort of follow your interests and make the best of things. And lots of people will have listened to that intro and think, wow. I mean, literally, when I was reading it, I was thinking, what what a resume. And not just young people, but adults as well, will be thinking, how how did she possibly make that transition? So, and a lot of people always talk right now about the importance of building your network. What advice would you give to someone who hadn't, like you didn't, have much of a personal network? I know that it can feel really daunting when you start thinking about this stuff if you're in a situation where you don't have a network because I certainly didn't and nor did I have a family that could see why I was interested in any of this stuff at all. (laughs) I think they found me quite perplexing in lots of ways. I just had a sense of the sorts of things that I wanted to do and and a sense that I could try and achieve them for myself sometimes you sort of think about network and networking and, you know, I I certainly never consider myself somebody that loved networking at all. When I look back, I think it's more helpful to just see it as building relationships and building a reputation for yourself and doing it bit by bit, step by step. But I, I think it definitely helps to be resourceful 
and open-minded because I was constantly researching opportunities, applying for things. Um, Social media and the internet makes this a lot easier now than it used to be. And I just kept following my interests, following my passions. And I think you have a lot more to offer if you do that because, you know, you have stuff that you can talk about convincingly. You have opinions you can share. Um, And I think to build your network, you you need to stand out. And it's much harder to do it if you don't have somebody opening doors for you. So when you do get your toe in the door, I think it's absolutely critical to be as proactive and as enthusiastic as you can be, because that really is going to make other people sort of want to help you um, and want to help you to succeed. And other people do help you, I think, when they can see that you're really committed to something. And I guess the last thing about being open-minded is is that you need to be willing to learn from all sorts of people. And I don't know, you might need to learn social mores that aren't familiar to you. And I, and I definitely felt that. Um, and sort of, you know, to try and educate yourself, to, to be open-minded to lessons coming in different forms and, and to be pretty uh, resilient, I guess, and, you know, keep propelling yourself forward. And then probably just to remind yourself that it's it's really important to just surround yourself with positive people, you know, people who do support you. And I've, you know, I think I've been pretty lucky to always have good people around me. And that helps too. And that that's really interesting. When I was listening to you there about the, there are codes of behaviour, aren't there? There are social codes that you might not know. You just you, you you learn essentially from. You might not have had them from your family. And I'm just mindful of my own situation. You know, I was a I was working in a quick save as a you know as a as a cashier, and I remember leaving and and, and becoming a youth worker. I remember my dad, bless him, he's passed away now, but saying to me, "If you just stay, I don't understand what it is you do, uh, but if you just stayed as a as a in the cashier, you could have been a supervisor by now." And I'm really struck by what you were. Talking talking about about your family feeling very very supportive to you but feeling in some way that you were becoming quite different to them so do you think people are born with a mindset or do you think it develops through experiences well that's a really big question <laughs> <laughs> i i i think some of it is innate i mean i've always been this way and i certainly as a young child was quite aware of probably being more headstrong than uh, other members of my family and just, I don't know, having a kind of kernel of self-belief, I guess. Um, And yes, in my case, I was quite academic, so I did well at school, but obviously a lot of people with entrepreneurial mindset and, you know, I'm thinking of really famous people now like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and, and Richard Branson, they, you know, a lot of those people actually dropped out. It wasn't school that was their path, but they had that kind of, yeah, kernel of self-belief that really propels you to try things. And if it doesn't work out, try something else, you know. And I, I think that some of it is innate, but there's no question, of course you can develop this stuff. It sometimes can be quite a, a path that you have to sort of work at. Yeah. That, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's interesting as well. Is it, and I hear that in you in some of some of your stories. The way you interpret failure is very neutral. It's just as feedback to do something differently. Has that always been the case for you or is that something you've just learned? Uh, it definitely has not always been the case for me. I mean, I 
would characterize myself as by nature being a bit of a perfectionist. And so some of the striving that I have definitely felt in my life, that sort of propelling myself forward is, has not always been easy. And I remember somebody saying to me once, you know, beware of perfectionism because it can be a curse. And I think that struck a, a chord with me. And I realized maybe, again, maybe I was being quite hard on myself. And I think a really interesting development recently, which is a, a sort of mindset that I see as being transplanted from the, the growth of Silicon Valley, is the sense that not only is failure okay, but actually it can be a a positive thing. And that if you're not failing enough, maybe you're not trying enough. And you can learn as much from your failures as you can from your successes. And that's one of the things I, I probably wish I'd known earlier, because I think it's really liberating to be able to think that way. And it it just, I think, creates much more of a sense of possibility and it stops you getting hung up on stuff. Yeah. And it's almost a badge of innovation, isn't it? You're not, you're not going to get to innovation without failing. Exactly. And that definitely was not a thing at the beginning of my career. And I think, again, sort of learning from that, both in business and then personally um, in, in more recent years, has you know, it's a, it's a really it's a really important development, and it and it gives people more options to do different things. And and I mean, thinking outside the box is a cliche, but you know, to just think more broadly about other things that they can do. And that's interesting as we're starting to move towards a thinking about a, an organisational mindset. I mean, Sony News has a role as a leading music brand. Um, I'm just thinking in the current environment with so much happening for young people, um, also the Black Lives Matter movement. Is there an organisational mindset of, of Sony? Well, I think organisational mindsets definitely do exist and they can be very different depending on where you work. Um for Sony Music in particular, um, I think it's very much about fueling creativity. That is absolutely at the heart of what we do. It's the part of the DNA of the business. And we have to be as creative as we can for the artists that we serve. But also, you know, in terms of how you get to that, you really need to have a, a very can-do collaborative culture and I, I think Sony does have that and, and is always trying to be collaborative around all sorts of projects. I mean, if you think about it, Sony at a global level operates at the intersection of music, entertainment and technology. So bringing imagination to new projects, being agile about new platforms that, that seem to pop up you know, regularly and coupling that with the sort of standards that you'd expect from a global company. I think that's very much the kind of organisational mindset that we have. And do you think that there is, you know, what's the role of leadership in, in setting that tone, in creating that environment? I think being prepared to listen, being encouraging of people and their ideas and being prepared to to hear from employees all the way through the business about things that we can do differently, things we need to respond to. I mean, the music industry was kind of found itself at the forefront of some of the response to Black Lives Matter. I think that's an example of companies that are really listening to employees and are plugged into 
the communities that they serve and thinking about how to do things differently. And is there a is there a role, you know, is Sony Music currently looking at ways in which that they can respond to employees' views and perspectives? On Black Lives Matter, yes. We are very lucky that globally Sony Music set up a $100 million social justice fund, which we are now looking at how we fund initiatives across the world that tackle social justice, which, as we interpret it, is about systemic inequality. And it's about thinking, about again, about the communities that you serve. For us, young people are a huge part of that, who we can reach, how we can reach them, and, you know, what impact that we can have. And, and also just how to be a better company, how to be as diverse and in- inclusive as we can be. Just moving tack slightly and, and just, just going back to, to you personally as a, as, as a female leader, you know, within the, within the industry, what do you think sustains that mindset for you? Earlier, you talked about not having a safety net. What sustains you? What keeps you going when you really want to give up? Well, there are definitely times when you feel like giving up, but I guess I never really allow myself to sort of think of that because, as I said, I guess I would call myself pretty resilient and uh, resourceful. So I can always think of other things that I would do. I would consider myself an optimist. So again, I I guess I can always sort of adapt to to situations and I'm probably because I've had a career path that as I said has has not really been linear that's a muscle that I've um that I've used much more than I ever thought I would you know I, 20 years ago you might think that you start in one company and and stay there and I haven't really done that and again it sort of it helps you to know that there are options and choices and decisions and that you've got the power to to make those choices I think sometimes when I look back, uh, I remember one of my editors in my 20s when something had gone wrong and told me, and he, he said, suck it up, kid. There are times in your life when stuff doesn't go to plan. And back then, uh, I guess he was trying to help me by giving me some tough love. And the funny thing is, nowadays, I think people are perhaps a bit more nervous about that. But actually, tough love never harmed me. And um I think it also, yeah, it it helped me grit my teeth, get on with it. When you're in a tricky spot, just keep going. And I think that's that's quite helpful. You mentioned muscle. You you mentioned using mindset as as a muscle. Do you have any good habits or rituals that you help that you feel really help you nurture your mindset? I think that trying to stay optimistic, trying to think of see the good in people, to try and see the silver lining. I sort of probably instinctively do that quite a lot. Somebody once gave me a great piece of advice, which is, you know, when things go wrong, remember, most of the time it's cock up, not conspiracy. (laughs) Um, That's so true in, I think, in so many different companies. I've reminded myself of that and then I've looked at situations differently. And I think the other thing is keeping a healthy dose of perspective. So I've had tough things in my life, sometimes personally, sometimes professionally. One sad thing is that um, I had a brilliant colleague who died um, far, far too young. And his motto was always to live wide. And when I first heard it, I didn't really understand. And then I guess reflecting on it, it's, it's reminding yourself that 
you know, time is limited. And that that sort of mentality to live wide really stayed with me. And it reminded me that there's, you know, there's no right or wrong path. There's opportunities that you can take or not take. And you just have to, I guess, follow your interests. Jessica, you talked there about living wide, feeling feeling very, very strong in terms of the things that helped guide you and navigate you. What three takeaways would you share with someone, top tips that we wish someone had shared with you when you were younger? I think the first one is that there's no right or wrong path because I probably agonised about those things way too much when I was younger. And um, and definitely at times, you know, I, I, I felt quite exhausted feeling like I was always trying to figure things out for myself. But actually, it's quite liberating, I think, when you realise that that you do have the power to make these choices and that you're really, you're just doing it for you. So I think as I've got older, I've learned, take the opportunities that help you learn more, that help you see more, or you just want to do something new and that take on things. And I mean, it's such a cliche, but the whole point about things being a journey rather than a destination, that, that did help me feel that I was forging my own path rather than trying to get somewhere that might not even exist by the time. (laughs) You never really feel like you've got there. I still feel that now. I think the other thing is around um, failure as a positive. I mean, I did not think that way when I was in my 20s. And again, I probably had a bit of a perfectionist tendency. And again, changing how I think about taking risks, embracing failure, being prepared to pivot and do something different again, has just freed up my mind, I think, and and helped me um, take opportunities, you know, with more ease and and feeling a bit more gung-ho about what I do and knowing that I can change it. And that's really interesting. That in itself is a growth mindset, uh, an enterprising mindset in action, isn't it? You, You have physically changed the way you view things from being that perfectionist through to actually seeing failure as very much part and parcel. Of, of innovation. Yeah. And also actually on that, I would say probably a cliche too, but like, don't sweat the small stuff. There are things that in your early twenties, maybe when you're working for somebody and you're wanting to do everything right and you're worried about making mistakes. But actually, I think again, you sort of get to my level, you realize that there's plenty of stuff that actually you need to be able to kind of move through more quickly and not get too hung up about um, and probably work out when you do need to get hung up about things. You know, that sort of decision making about how you respond is, is another muscle I think you really learn in your career. But the third thing that I would definitely pass on and I would pass on to young women in particular obviously I don't know what it's like to be male but I do feel um I do feel something of the sisterhood is manage your energy as much as your time and I did not learn that until I think quite late on but boy you know being a working mother really makes you learn those things and I I guess you know again okay, being a working parent, let's say it's tough um, and it takes energy, it takes organisation, it takes compromise and it is hugely rewarding as well. But you do need to reserve time to look after yourself. And, you know, there's much more of a focus on things like mental health now than there, than there mm. used to be. And that's a good thing. And my last question is, is what's next for Jessica Carson? 
<laughs> well, I've only been at Sony Music for less than a year, so okay. um, there are still a lot of things to do um, in my role. We're really lucky to have this social justice fund that's, I think, really going to help us to make huge leaps in terms of the social impact that our company can make to the communities we serve, to young people who are a huge part of our audiences. And thinking about the resources that a company has to make an impact, um, I, I find that hugely motivating and rewarding. So I'm really excited to be working on that. Jessica, thank you for your honesty and thank you for sharing your insights on Enterprising Mindset. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Enterprising Mindset podcast is part of a series from Young Enterprise. To listen to more, please subscribe to us in your usual podcasting service. Thank you for listening.